You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. Verses 4 through 6. If you don't have a copy of God's Word in front of you, I highly encourage you uh, to pull out the notes provided for you in your bulletin. Uh, we're going to launch from Titus 2, 4 through 6 into a plethora of other passages and verses today. And so unless you have thumbs of thunder, it's probably easier just to follow along with the notes, okay? Uh, if you're watching at home or if you would like to while you're here, you can also download the Version Bible app. That's Y-O-U version. After you download it, go to the More Tab Tap Events, Find Mount Carmel Baptist Church. Click on today's sermon title, and there you can see, save, and share all the scripture references and notes and quotes. Titus chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. I want to preach to you a sermon on this graduate Sunday that I've simply entitled, How to Keep Your Faith in Your Twenties. Now, I know that the majority of us here are no longer in our 20s, sadly, right? But this will be profitable for anybody, so please eavesdrop in. If you ask the believers sitting around you, is there anything you wish you did differently in your 20s, I think you would get a resounding yes. Some of us say, I wasted some of the best years of my life in my 20s but don't feel bad don't feel bad even good king david seemed to have some regrets you may remember this passage in psalm 25 7 it says he's praying to god do not remember the sins of my youth he's not writing as a young man there (laughs) please god don't hold them against me when good old job was suffering he considered whether his suffering was recompense for the sins of his youth. It says in Job 13, 26, it says, For you record bitter accusations against me and make me inherit the iniquities of my youth. He thought he was just getting what he deserved ultimately. In a book entitled Thoughts for Young Men, and I highly encourage you to get it by J.C. Ryle, He writes, I wish you could know the comfort of a conscience not burdened with a long list of youthful sins. These are the wounds that pierced the deepest. Be merciful to yourselves. Seek the Lord early and so you will be spared many a bitter tear. Experience tells me that people's hearts are seldom changed if they're not changed when they're young. A boy may bend an oak when it's a sapling, but a hundred-year-old men cannot root it up when it is a full-grown tree. So it is with habits. The older, the stronger, the longer they have held possession, the harder they will be to cast out. And it's the truth. In today's passage, the Apostle Paul is commanding Pastor Titus to encourage the young men and women And so let's eavesdrop in on Pastor Titus and then Pastor Paul. And then I want to pull away some truths uh, for our 20-year-olds and up. 
It says this in Titus chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Titus was to encourage older women, okay, to uh, disciple younger women. So he says this, so that they, the young women, or excuse me, the older women may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, workers at home, kind and in submission to their husbands so that God's word will not be slandered. In the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. What I want to emphasize in this passage is the two things that are repeated with both groups. Is that Pastor Titus was to encourage those in their youth to learn self-control. To learn discipline. And I want to give you four areas today where you need to exercise self-control and discipline. To take initiative. In these four areas. So number one, here's what I want you to write down. And I, this is some more pastoral advice, and I hope to soak it in the scriptures uh, so that you can see God's authority in this. Number one, here's what I tell every 20-year-old and up. Open your Bible. <laughs> it's going to get good, I promise. Open your Bible. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, I know them. And they follow me. Now the question is, what does the sound of Jesus' voice sound like? And I'm about to answer it. I can tell you, I have heard Jesus speak to me personally. Do you want to know what it sounds like? Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 16. He says, whoever listens to you, and he's talking to his disciples, the apostolic band, the twelve, listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one, that's a capital O, God, who sent me. The Apostle John, Jesus' best friend, put it this way in 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. We, the apostles, are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. The sound of Jesus' voice is the sound of the apostles' doctrine. And where is the apostles' doctrine recorded for us? In this book. If you want to hear Jesus speak to you, just take this book open, flip it open, and read whatever text you find, and you're going to hear Jesus talking to you. Church, I encourage you, whether you're 20 or 200, you've got to open up your Bible if you want to encounter the risen Lord. Evaluate all words, not just the preacher's words. Evaluate the news anchor's words. Evaluate the politician's words in their proportion to their agreement with the Scripture. Those that are nearest to the Scripture are the best words. And those that are the farthest and most contrary are the worst words. Let me tell you another thing about opening your Bible. Make sure, and this is nothing to joke with anymore, make sure you go to a church, I don't care whether it's here or if it's halfway across the Word, where there will be a person in the pulpit who will open up this book and explain it and apply it to you. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. We're going to see the preeminence of biblical preaching. This is the Apostle Paul, his last letter to a young pastor, and says essentially this, Timothy, if there's only one thing I had to tell you to do, here's what it is. He says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and because his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. 
Be ready in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. Do you see the chain logic there? He says this, you're to preach the word. God's revealed written word. It is the truth. Anybody who is coming and preaching the word cannot tell you a myth. Anything outside of the word, I need you to hear this, is made up. It comes from their own vain imaginations. You make sure the preacher cites his source. This is the authority, not the man. All young people should regularly hear the preaching of the gospel. I cannot emphasize enough how important this is because here's what I believe that happens in preaching. There is more going on in the event of preaching than just the guy and his voice. By God's grace, in the preaching of the gospel, souls are converted and people are made child of, children of God. They're sanctified. So I don't mean just sitting under preaching and passively listening. But I'm saying is if you'll come and you'll engage and you'll go out and obey, this book will transform your life from the deepest recesses of your soul to own out to everything that you do. Stay washed in this book. Remember the promise of God's word in Isaiah 55, 11. So my word, this is God speaking, that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. We, we believe this. God's word is performative. Performative. It will take up residence and provide this dynamic in your life. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. By keeping your word. Psalm 119 verse 11, he says this, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. J.C. Ryle put it this way, he says, Read the Bible regularly. At a glance at the Bible now and then does little good. You will never become familiar with its treasures at that rate or feel the sword of the Spirit fitted to your hand in the hour of conflict. However, fill your mind with Scripture by diligent reading and you'll soon discover its value and power. Verses will rise in your hearts in the moment of temptation. Commands will suggest themselves to you in seasons of doubt. Promises will come across your thoughts in time of discouragement. That is how you will experience the truth of David's words. you got to read it, soak in it, and you'll find when those times and seasons come, it's there. It will surface to your heart and your mind. But you got to be diligent to put it in there. Number two. Number two, here's what I need you to remember to do. Serve a church. Serve a church. Ryle again, he says, I've heard it said, you require, Mr. Ryle, the impossible in expecting so much Christianity from young people. Youth is no time for seriousness. Our desires are strong. And it was never intended that we should suppress them as you wish us to do. God meant for us to enjoy ourselves. There will be time enough for following Christ later. 
And listen to Mr. Ryle's response. He says, And this talk is only too much encouraged by the world. The world appears to think of it a matter that young men must sow their wild oats. The world seems to assume if young people must be irreligious and they cannot follow Christ. And then he poses this. Young men, I will ask you one simple question. Where will you find anything of such attitude in the Word of God? You never, in the Word of God, goes, you know what? We expect, we just have given up on 20-year-olds living for Jesus, and when you get married and have kids, you come on back. There is no such expectation in the Word of God. What does the Word of God teach us then? I think it teaches the exact opposite. Malachi chapter 1 verse 8, the God of Israel, Yahweh, is not happy, not pleased with the quality of the sacrifices his priests were offering him. And he poses this question to them. He says, when you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not wrong? And when you present a lame or sick animal, is it not wrong? Bring it to your governor. Go take it to your president. You wouldn't serve him blind, maimed animals? Would he be pleased with you or show you favor? Ask the Yahweh of armies. Now I want you to catch this. Just use some simple logic. I'm not having to tether much. One of the things that commentators note about this passage, there was an expectation that the priest would only allow spotless lambs, spotless goats, spotless bulls. They would have to bring the absolute best, the first best of their wages and their crops unto the Lord to offer it to Him. Anything less was second rate and God wouldn't accept it. Now answer this question, it's really simple. Which tends to have more of those characteristics? Younger sacrifices or older sacrifices? With gentleness and respect, if you're sitting in here old today, you know blindness, (laughs) lameness, deafness, I can hardly hear, right? And so what people don't realize is most of the sacrifices that were offered in the Old Covenant were of the young, were of the young. What did God consider the best to be? Your youth. Offer your youth. Romans 12.1, now I'm not saying, you know, I want you to literally sacrifice yourself. That's not the point. In the New Covenant, Paul put it, puts it this way in Romans 12.1, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God because of his great salvation, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. I like how the key James Version is here, reasonable act of worship. It only makes good sense that the Son of God laid down his life for us in our worship, our act of response. We would go, we'll live for you. But notice, notice how he uses this idea. We're living sacrifices. God doesn't want your death. That's not what he wants. He wants wants you to commit to live for him on a daily basis. And what would that involve if you take that Old Testament context and put it in the New? He means this, especially when you're young. Give your best service to him. 1 Timothy 4.12 is one of my favorite passages. It would be my life verse if I wasn't growing older. 
He said, let no one despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, and impurity. Notice what the text says. I'll never forget when I first learned this verse when I was in sixth grade. Hey, they have every right to despise you and look down on you if you're not setting an example for all believers. I know we get tired of generations talking about millennials and Gen Zers. Some of it's not true and some of it is. <laughs> it's the truth. We have to set an example that anybody would follow, young or old. Ryle put it this way. It is an awful mockery to suppose you can give the flower of the strength to the world and the devil and then put off the king of kings with scraps and the leavings of your heart, the wreck and remnant of your powers. It is an awful mockery. We are going to really hand the best years of our life to a world that is foolish and passing away. If I, I, I submit this to you with generous respect, I'll take you in your 20s and 40s any day. Those 20 years. Number three. This is more of a side note, okay? But I want to go ahead and address it. Number three. Date a Jesus fearer. You don't have to date. You don't have to marry. I don't know why evangelical Christians have made marriage out to be this wonderful thing. It's work, all right? <laughs> okay? So if you want to forego that, no hard feelings by me. But if you want to pursue that, let me tell you the groundwork biblically. Date someone who fears Jesus. And just answer that simple question. Because here's why I said fear Jesus. If you ask most people, well, does he love Jesus? Oh, yeah, he loves Jesus. So I've learned, but does he fear Jesus? It's a little bit different. Does he fear Jesus? Listen to what Psalm 119 verse 63 says. David is telling us his quality of friends. What, what do you have to do in order to make the cut to be a best friend of King David? He says this, I'm a friend to all who fear you, Yahweh, to those who keep your precepts. He said, if you're going to be close to me, if you're going to have an intimate companionship with me, you're going to have to fear my God. And then he explains in the next parallel part of that poetry, it means this, they keep the words of God. They observe his words. They obey them. That's a lot different from this emotional feeling like, do you love God? Then, hey, are you dating or marrying someone who is out to obey the words and commands of Jesus? That's really different. Find a spouse who is more afraid of offending the Lord than your in-laws. I want Scotland to marry a man who is more afraid of Jesus than me, and he should be afraid of me. Your spouse will help you, will help your soul or harm your soul. There's no middle ground. They will either fan the flame of Christianity in your life or they'll throw cold water on it. Think about this, church. We've thought about this throughout the pandemic. Health is not contagious, but disease is. It is far easier to make one's devotion to the Lord dwindle than for it to grow and prosper. Ryle put it this way. According to her character, she will either be wings or handcuffs to your Christianity. 
Is this person going to help it take off or soar? Or are they going to chain me to the world? Since your spouse may be found among your circle of friends, your choice of friends is critical. Choose friends who will benefit your soul, who love the Bible, and are not afraid to speak the Bible to you. It's one of my favorite things about my close circle of friends, to discuss Scripture. And it's not odd or awkward. It's a part of the friendship. Proverbs 13, 20 says, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It does. It has the effect. Ryle put it this way, Never make an intimate friend who is not a friend of God. Never make it, and please understand there's a difference here, okay? We're not saying don't go and engage and love and be friends of lost people. We're saying those who are going to have the closest and most direct influence on your soul and your character need to fear God. They need to fear God. Christian parents, biblical sermons, good education, and wise money habits are of no benefit to you if you cling to an ungodly friend or an ungodly spouse. I've just seen those relationships can undo all of it. You may resist many temptations because of your friends. Just because of your friends. Number four, and this is it. And I hate this one, but it's the truth. Number four, there's a wall. There's a wall. You say, what do you mean there's a wall? When I... Just graduated to Cole Falls College in 2010. I got a part of this evangelist network with an evangelist named Clayton King. Clayton King at the time was the campus pastor at Liberty University. And so there was a bunch of guys. I think there was 12 of us. We're all young, young, young and stupid. And we're getting there. We're like, man, we're with Clayton King. We're in Clayton King's living room. And we're going to figure out how to become these famous evangelists. That's what we're going to do. Clayton King sat down. And he told us a couple of things. He said, number one, you're not here to learn how to book some gigs. Number two, you can do ministry with a wife but not against one. Number three, if you lose your help, you've lost your ministry. And number four, there's a wall at 30. A wall at 30. He had realized he had, he had worked hard, ministered hard, and when 30 came, he had to make a decision. I can either die young or rearrange my life so I can have a long ministry. The illusion of invincibility will inevitably disintegrate. You're not Superman. You're not. Since I've turned 30, I've struck out in softball. My gallbladder has been removed, already awaiting the resurrection. I get winded watching Haddon. And I'm one Amazon deal away from buying a pill organizer. (laughs) The scriptures are true. Hebrews 9.27 says, And just as it is appointed for people to die once after this judgment. Yet you and I live as if we're sure that we'll never die. We don't ever contemplate it. I've been young and I'm getting a little older and I've seen young people in their 20s get a diagnosis of cancer and die in two years. I hate to 
pour that on you, but that's a part of living in a fallen, broken world. And for you to not factor that in today is foolishness on your part. Isaiah 40, verse 30. There's probably one of my favorite verses. Youths grow tired and weary and young people stumble and fall. Amen. God doesn't sleep or slumber, but we sure do. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day might bring. I sincerely wish good things for you, but the reality is I cannot promise you. Ryle says, your health, listen to how he describes this. Your health may be taken from you in a moment. It only needs a fall, a fever, an inflammation, a broken blood vessel, and the worm would soon feed upon you in your grave. There is but a step between any of us and death. The night your soul might be required of you, you are fast going the way of all the earth and you'll soon be gone. Your life is all uncertainty. Your death and judgment are sure. You too must hear the archangel's trumpet and go forth to stand before the great white throne. You too must obey that summons which Jerome says was always ringing in his ears. Get up, you dead, and come to judgment. Get up and come to judgment. Ryle would later say his two really pithy statements. He says, tomorrow is the devil's day. Tomorrow is the devil's day. And hell itself is truth known too late. Hell itself is truth known too late. The question is always, what are you going to do with Jesus right now? Why? Because that's all you're promised. That's it. I cannot give you another second. What would be the summation of all this? King Solomon, one of the wisest and stupidest people to walk the planet, tells us. Ecclesiastes 11.9, he says, Young person, rejoice, young person, while you are young. And let your heart be glad in the days of your youth. And walk in the ways of your heart and in the desire of your eyes. Did you see this? He's like, go out there and live it up. Seriously. You get one shot at it. And all he does, here's his monkey wrench. He's about to throw right into it. Just remember, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. That's it. Can your conscience, can you go out and do that going, I will be called up to give an account of my life. And am I good with standing before God like this? That's it. And if your conscience is clear, live it. Go do it. Enjoy it. But don't forget the most important thing here. Those years won't be passed over. The Bible doesn't say that. You know, like, we're going to start keeping count when you turn 40. We're not going to do any of that. You will find it no easy matter to turn to God just whenever you please. It's a trustworthy saying of Archbishop Layton, the way of sin is downhill. A man cannot stop when he wants to. If you're planning on a late repentance when you get married or when you have kids, I want you to know you don't have a clue what you're doing. You don't know. You are planning without God. Repentance and faith are gifts from God, and he can withhold those gifts after a long offering to you. If, you, if God's calling you today, you need to answer today. Ryle put it this way, I grant you true repentance is never too late. True repentance is never too late. 
But I warn you that late repentance is seldom true. I grant you one penitent thief, remember at the cross, was converted in his last hour that no man might despair. But I warn you, only one was converted so that no man might presume. One died without the Lord. The fullest acts you do, the time you waste, the mistakes you make, the bad company you keep, the harm you do yourself, the chances of happiness you throw away, the openings of usefulness you neglect, these will embitter your conscience when you're old. If that's one thing, I wish there's things that I did that I just didn't do for the sake of knowing my conscience wouldn't get me today. Leave nothing unsettled that is eternal. Run no risk when your soul is at stake. All of us, young and old, need a great salvation. All of us need to be born again. All of us need to be washed in Jesus' blood. And all of us need to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Happy is the young person who does not leave these things uncertain, but never rest till he or she has the witness of the Spirit within them, testifying that they are a child of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give every person, young and old, the opportunity to repent of their sin and trust Jesus today as their Savior. Christ died for our sins and rose again as proof that we can call upon Him right now as Savior and God, and He will forgive us, grant us eternal life, and send the Holy Spirit to come and begin this relationship with us. And if you're not saved, if you're not forgiven by Jesus, that the Holy Spirit, you don't have a relationship with Him, today's the day to acknowledge you're a sinner, helpless under the judgment of God, and just to rest wholly upon Jesus for that forgiveness. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to say a prayer that you can repeat after me. There's nothing magical about this prayer at all. But a, sorrow, a godly, sorrowful heart can use this prayer to call out to Jesus. He's not dead. He's alive. He's the Son of God, so he hears our thoughts and whispers. Will you just pray this to King Jesus? Say, Dear Jesus, I confess I am a sinner who deserves judgment. But I believe you love me. You came down for me. You shed your blood and you died on the cross to forgive me of all my sin. And I believe God raised you from the dead. Please forgive me. Come into my life and help me serve you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to tell you, and we'll talk about this more in the upcoming weeks, but our next step in our walk of following Jesus, a part of our repentance, our sorrow, is to show the church and the world that we have repented of our sins and trust Christ as our Savior. And we do that through baptism. When we're baptized, when we go under the water, we're saying we believe and identify with Jesus' death for our sins. And when we come up out of the water, we're saying we believe and identify with Jesus' resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins and for eternal life. If you've never been baptized, you need to sign up. 
Sign up on the back of that tear-off panel I mentioned earlier. Text BELIEVE to our text and church number. Go to our website, fill out the baptism form. Give me an opportunity to talk to you about your next right step. Last thing I want us to do, I don't have a special prayer today. What I want to encourage you to do, whether, let me tell you, these points apply to every believer. This is a part of my how you make Christianity boring again. I mean that in a good way. We need to get back to some of these basics. Opening in our Bible. Serving the church, right? Our deepest friendships, spouses, and others need to fear God. And there's a wall. We, at some point, it stops. Life stops, and we have to give an account of judgment. And what I wanted you to do in this time of, of prayerful meditation is to reflect on those four truths. Pray it for our graduates. Pray it for those four that were up here today. And then pray those things for your life. God, help me Get into the Word. Right? Help me serve my church. Lord, help me govern my friends. Just choose good friends. Choose good spouse. And then ultimately, Lord, remind me of the judgment. Whisper it in my ear. Don't let me forget it. And that will keep you from sin. In this time of meditation, you're welcome to come to the altar and pray or pray there in your seat. And then in just a couple of minutes, I'll conclude our meditation time with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to gather in this place and to hear your word. And Lord, I pray um, especially for our graduates and for every young person. But Lord, um, we recognize because these truths are in your word, they're applicable to every saint at every time. Lord, help us to be people of the book, to, under, to open your word, to hear your voice in the scriptures through the teaching of the apostles. Help us to obey it. Lord, I pray that you would give us, we know that your Holy Spirit has already given us the gifts to serve in the local church. Give us the commitment to do that, God. To not waste any more time. But Lord, to devote ourselves to you through service to others. Lord, I pray for friends. I pray for spouses. Lord, those friendships and relationships that are yet to be formed, we ask that your Holy Spirit would give them wisdom and discretion and may we choose 
our closest intimate companions to be God-fearers, that they will obey the commands of Jesus. And then, Lord, remind all of us, Lord, that we're not guaranteed to make it out of this parking lot. It's the absolute truth today. May we not put you off any longer, but to embrace you by repentance and faith in Jesus. We thank you for not giving up on us, but using us. We pray this in Jesus' strong name and all God's people said, amen. I got just a couple of quick announcements and a couple of prayer requests. Uh, Andrew, can you come up here for just a second? It's nothing bad. Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.